Welcome everyone to the HR Dynamics Matters podcast, your regular sonic dive into the world of Microsoft technology-related matters and much more besides. I'm your host, Michael Lonnan, and for today's episode, I shipped in Henry Anson, Managing Director from The Manufacturer, one of the UK's foremost leaders in manufacturing thought leadership for a quick chinwag. We talk today's challenges in order book fulfillment, the change from a just-in-time to just-in-case model, and using data to create a more efficient supply chain. So, Clever Brew, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Tea or coffee? Coffee. How do you have it? White one. How many do you have in a day, Henry? I had two before seven o'clock in the morning and then I stop because otherwise I'm bouncing off the walls the rest of the day. I like it. Restrained. Good man. 90s or noughties? Uh, 90s, definitely. Afraid. Yeah. <laughs> High tech or low tech? Um, I shouldn't really say this, but low tech. <laughs> Save or invest? Oh, God. Uh, neither. Spend. <laughs> Spent your way out of it. All right. So um, we're talking about supply chain management and the state of um, state of things today, and and co- things like COVID and the war in Ukraine and and loads of different other factors is impacting uh, the supply chain for manufacturers and and how they can manage um, demand. But, but in your opinion, and what from what you've seen, what are the biggest challenges then that that uh, manufacturers are facing? Uh, manufacturers across the supply chain side are, are facing a myriad of problems at the moment um, and arguably the experiment or, or the last 20 years of the global supply chains has come to it come to an end or is certainly coming to an end so every manufacturer that I speak to or not every but most has got bulging order books but are really struggling to fulfill those orders at the moment and it's across the across all sectors it's not just in automotive where there's obviously a very well documented chip shortage it's across all sectors with manufacturing and the problem is raw materials and component parts oh, um, right. and you know they are as I said struggling like mad to get you know, uh, orders out of the out of the factory gates at the moment so th- th- there's there's demand um, there's demand and they've got orders coming through. They're just not able to to fulfill them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was talking to a very senior manufacturer the other day and he coined a phrase which I <clears throat> repeated about 58 times and now claim as my own is that they've moved from a just in time model to a just in case model, which is a completely different and rethink on the traditional way of, of supply chains, basically, where, you know, one in, one out, and now stockpiling, which obviously puts big demands on, on cash flow and things like that. So, you know, there's been a, there's had to be a radical rethink around that whole just-in-time model. Because traditionally, it's been trying to reduce costs has been taking or, or having very limited supplies or excess in warehouses and those sorts of things, trying to keep the cost down. But you're saying that actually now the difficulty is that they can't get the supplies and trying to fill up the warehouses so that they can deal with just in time. Yeah, absolutely. And it puts different financial pressures on the business, obviously. Um, but yes, there's been a marked change in the last six months in that in that sort of just in time attitude, marked change. Um, just going back onto the, the global supply chain thing. I mean, we're starting to see a, a definite move and people have been talking about it for years, but to uh, reshoring and nearshoring. Right. Um, okay. And, you know, there's that, is, that is sort, of sort of security around the supply chain, um, that visibility. And that's something I'd like to discuss in a moment, actually, because obviously, and that's where tech can play a big part, but having visibility on where the bits that you need are in your supply chain is absolutely critical. And, you know, the closer they are to home, um, the better. So, you know, potentially, 
potentially there's an opportunity for UK manufacturing to reshore some of the bits that we think we've lost forever, which is quite exciting, but you know, it's born out of necessity rather than a, a nice to have. So the longer the supply chain in terms of uh, fast shoring is just because of the cost, the complexity of getting the, the raw materials themselves and the, and the things that you need and the components yep. you need, the cost is just becoming unsustainable, would you say? Yeah, the cost, but also it's the risk, actually. It's not necessarily the cost. And, and you know, again, I think that the days of buying component parts, which are 0.01p cheaper than the Far East than they are here, um, I think the concern around um, resilience and reliability is overriding that. You know, it's got to be the cheapest you know, available option. So you know, it, it, it's not just a cost thing at all. It's it's, it's that reliability of, of that supply chain. Which are, most, is, are most manufacturers aware of this? Are they trying to do something about it? Do they get the differences? Are yeah. they addressing it, do you see? This, the supply chain, uh, I'd say crisis is probably slightly over, over dramatizing it, but is a real here and now issue for pretty much every manufacturer we speak to. And there's no anticipation that it's going to ease significantly within the next 12 months. So I think we're looking at least at this time next year before you know some of these issues have resolved uh, themselves. So there's, there's no quick fixes here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive issue. And of course, it all also plays into the whole sustainability piece, which is now a main board agenda item of pretty much every manufacturer in the UK. Yeah, yeah. So again, it's that traceability. There's a business necessity, but it's also there's that traceability of you know where these parts or, or raw materials are coming from, where they've been sourced, is it ethical, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, the, and obviously the carbon footprint. So there's a sort of a number of factors coming in uh, to play here, which are really putting these extended supply chains under the microscope. So it's almost a, um, and it's traceability as well as visibility. So not just being able to see whether things are in your supply chains or where the hell they come from and what, you know. Hundred I mean, you know, you don't want obviously you know, materials being mined by 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 children in, in, in Africa or whatever, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so it's that traceability and visibility. You're 100 right, and it's up and down the supply chain. And in a lot of cases, it's the you know the larger organisations having a pretty forensic look at their sort of tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four suppliers uh, about where they're sourcing. So it's not just a, a nice to do to try and reduce carbon footprint. You know, it's being sort of almost enforced by these big public companies. You know, who are responsible to their shareholders and have made some very bold net zero not claims, sorry, uh, statements about, you know, what the direction travel they're on. So how can they get, how can manufacturers wanting to get a bit of handle on, on, on their supply chain? How can they improve visibility? Where does technology fit in that kind of um, well, scenario? I think, I think technology is, is absolutely key to it. Um, and it's some sort of level of understanding up and down the supply chain that there's going to be a uniform way of, of measuring, tracking, tracing and that sort of stuff. But And, and we are hearing that some of the larger organisations are helping their, their tier two, tier three suppliers with that sort of technology in order to get that sort standard platform can only be through technology clearly i'm talking to a technology driven company but that is the answer it has to be the answer so they're, they're investing in technology to help increase visibility but they're also passing it down through the supply chain because yeah. they understand i guess they understand that you can't increase visibility without a connected supply chain you, you, you can't you've only seen one part of the sum of the parts 100 absolutely and that will come to bite them if they, if they don't do that because you know somewhere further down the supply chain something goes wrong or mm. whatever and they you know that that tiny little part that widget means you can't fulfill the big order so yeah it's, it's going down through the supply chain 
And I'm guessing, as always, it seems to be in, in all the conversations I have, data is, is, is a significant part of, of creating that visibility or gaining that visibility, better management of it. You don't know what you can't measure. You know, yeah. Everyone knows that statement. I run a lot of focus groups for manufacturers, and what's become quite apparent is that there's a real focus on data. But even some of the larger organisations I was referring to are have a very, uh, I think I'm being polite, saying confused data <laughs> strategy, if they have yeah. a data strategy at all. And I think that the assumption that you know the larger companies have this sort of defined data strategy is, is not right um, and a lot of them are still gov still struggling with governance ownership and what we'd think were fairly basic issues but they're still trying to, to, to get that defined data strategy in place that they can then roll down through their organization and into their supply chain where are you seeing kind of the data strategy or the responsibilities around data management and its strategy sit is it within it is it within business side of manufacturing largely more in business to be honest so it's those change agents those directors of digital transformation who are looking at the whole business rather than just isolated parts of it there is no point undertaking a, a large digitalization strategy if you haven't got your data strategy sorted basically so it's it's yeah. almost the first point on that digitalization journey that they have to get sorted so it tends to be a, a sort of a collective i would say um but probably headed up by that person with the okay. digital transformation responsibility would you say um before organizations or manufacturers can start to uh, start to understand and see and gain visibility of their supply chain really they've got to get data in hand first or, or get a good foundation of data management in hand before they can start to do that 100% again going back to the you don't know what you can't measure yeah absolutely that has to be the start point has to be the start point what's the danger then um if i guess most manufacturers are, are suffering in some way shape or form from inf inflationary costs the covid the war in ukraine and so far but what if they do nothing what if they just sit there and, and try and ride it out can they ride it out no, I don't think they can, to be honest. I think I think there's a general acceptance of pretty much everyone we're speaking to that something has to be done and done pretty damn quick. Um, the one thing I haven't discussed, of course, is the, you know, I think we're running at nearly 10% inflation in the UK at the moment. And mm -hmm. you know, it's very well documented what's going on in energy prices. You know, someone's got to pay for this at some point yeah. in the manufacturing sector. Now, I'm not yet hearing my community, our community sort of, you know, sort of screaming and shouting about it, but you know, 10% is a very significant figure on you know, a lot of businesses that operate on relatively low margins. So again, that's going to put more pressure on that supply chain visibility and reliability as well. But again, you know, at some point, these costs are going to be passed, passed through. They have to be. How long do you think this is going to last? Well, I think you mentioned like 12 months, you don't see for 12 or 18 months, things calming down too much. No, certainly on the supply chain side of it, I don't think they will. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm no economist and things, but I think there's an expectation that, that interest rates will start, not interest rates, sorry, inflation will start to fall towards the back end of the year. So maybe that's a sort of six month pace, but it's still going to be higher than we're used to. You know, the sort of standard-ish 2%, you know, maybe yeah. it drops back to 4 or 5%, but, you know, there's still fairly significant costs that are going to be factored into, you know, the manufacturing operation. Where have you seen manufacturers change Michael, what this is, I haven't really yet seen a, a, an exemplar. What I can see is a lot of work in progress. So okay. no one's got this cracked as far as I'm concerned, or, or as far as I've seen. I'm sure there are some, some fantastic examples of, of companies out there, but I haven't really listened or heard or spoken to anybody about how 
successful they've done it it's work in progress it, this is a this is a journey using lots of trite phrases here but but no i don't think anyone i've spoken to is can, can put their hand up and say i've got this nailed it's it's work in progress as i said just a i guess a, a thought that comes to my mind because it's a work in progress because it's a journey and because as you say not many manufacturers have been able to crack this challenge just yet do they uh, manufacturers tend to learn off of each other? Is there much give and take? You know, one learns one thing, passes it on to another. I mean, one of the the benefits of, of of COVID, and there have been some in terms of the you know the manufacturing sector having a you know look at things like digitalization, is there is definitely a, a, a greater spirit of collaboration out there. Um, Good. And we host an awful lot of activities that are cross sector, and to be honest. Uh, they get as much learning from each other as they do from the sponsors or the academics or the speakers or whatever. So it's, you know, where are you? What are you doing? How, and you know, what mistakes you made? And it's extraordinary. You know, you, you look at sort of you know, completely different sectors, you know, food and beverage gets automotive, but there is a lot of learning that can be shared across those two sectors, despite the fact there's a very different process involved in their, in, in, in their manufacturing. Um, so, yeah, no, that cross-sector learning, and there does seem to be a much greater spirit of collaboration than there was pre-COVID for sure. And I think that was probably engendered by the, you know, extraordinary efforts around the ventilator challenge, which although I don't mind saying was publicly the government completely messed up, but actually the sector responded in a, in a in just in an absolutely fantastic manner. For years, manufacturers have been stripping costs out of the supply chain to maintain the fine profit margins. And this has meant things like keeping stockholdings to the very minimum and operating in a just-in-time model of one in, one out. But a range of macro factors has changed all this, leading to bulging order books, but without the means and the parts to fulfil orders in good time. Manufacturers are now operating on a just-in-case basis, and the days of importing parts from overseas because they are a penny cheaper are long gone. And what Henry has seen is that it's only with improved visibility and traceability within the supply chain can today's manufacturers keep the flow of goods moving. And good data management is a key part to this. And until next time, take care of yourselves.